Hi everyone, welcome to the Veg Talk podcast. Thank you for joining me. I am your host, uh, Matthew Davey. Uh, really grateful to those that have given up a little bit of time today uh, to join me. I really do appreciate it. Uh, this is something that I really want to do just to bring some inspiring conversations to you with people that I believe are changing the game in some way uh, in this in this plant-based world uh, that is you know continually booming and growing. Uh, but today we're going to take a little bit of a different tack. Uh, I'm just going to do a bit of an introduction to myself. So you can get to know me a little bit better before we start uh, introducing other guests uh, that I've got lined up for you. Uh, so let's get to it. So my name's Matt. Um, I was born in uh, Adelaide in Australia. Um, so lived there till I was about three years old. Don't have a whole lot uh, of memories, as you can imagine. Pretty young when we moved. Uh, I was three. We moved to Melbourne and uh, to a suburb just southeast of Melbourne in the Bayside area, if you're familiar. Um, so growing up, I was you know, a really active kid, played a lot of sports, uh, played soccer, Aussie rules football, cricket, baseball. Uh, we were surrounded by tennis courts as well growing up, so it was something I grew up playing. Uh, my dad played a lot of tennis as well, so um, never got you know, amazingly good. Uh, good at it, but uh, it is a sport that I've, um, you know, played throughout my life. But yeah, really active, always been quite a, a skinny person. So um, yeah, with with the whole, um, the whole food thing never really kind of clicked for me because I could eat whatever I you know, really wanted and it never seemed to affect uh, the way I looked. So I think that had a big part to play in, you know, not being, not putting two and two together with, uh, you know, the food and the, and the health of your body. Uh, I kind of just thought it was more of a taste thing, I, I suppose. But um, growing up, I'd say, you know, mum, mum did a pretty good job of um, making sure we were eating eating healthier foods. Um, I remember, I, I distinctly remember like being a young kid in, in primary school and, you know, they've got the canteen or the um, the tuck shop, I think we used to call it. But basically, you know, it, it was a very rare occasion where we would get a lunch um, that, was, that was from that, you know, that canteen. Mum would always prepare... Um, prepare lunches for us uh, that were healthy. We never used to get like packaged chips or anything like that. I think me and my brother used to used to beg, um, but you know we were never successful in uh, in getting those into our lunchbox um, on a regular basis. So yeah, mum mum definitely had us on the on the healthier side of of eating, and I never really personally had any. Um, any real trouble with food. I was always had a pretty good appetite uh, and would would basically eat what was ever, uh, whatever was given to me. So I think I was probably a pretty easy kid to please um, in terms of, in terms of, you know, 
being at being at the dinner table at meal time. Um, but yeah, that was probably you know up until the age of I don't know up and up until the age of at least school. So sixteen, seventeen, um, probably eating eating pretty well. Uh, I think decisions started to change when I had a little bit more freedom around um, earning my own money. I, I did have, I think, my first job. I was about fifteen years old, uh, which was at a supermarket. Um, but after that. The, the jobs that I, I was in for probably the next four to five years were uh, in delis. So slicing, you know, slicing, slicing ham, beef, uh, processed meats, uh, cheeses. Uh, I was around that, you know, almost every day or at least three to four times a week um, throughout, throughout high school, later in high school and, and university. So... Yeah, with with that money and and being surrounded by those foods, uh, my decision making probably started to change once I had a little bit more freedom. So, more junk food definitely crept in. More fast food, McDonald's, um, definitely definitely crept in. I remember one of the burgers that I would always get was like a I think it was a McDouble with bacon, something something along those lines. Um, so yeah, pretty pretty unhealthy stuff started to creep in um, and I, I tell this story to everyone but at work basically the the supermarket was was split up into you know you've you've got your produce section your package stuff uh, and and also your your deli your deli was kind of like on the side so uh, I was the you know one of the people that was behind the behind the deli and there was a a guy that I used to work with who was a vegetarian and he happened to work in the produce section so we've literally got a guy in the produce section with the fruits and vegetables uh, who is a vegetarian and me being you know the guy that eats everything behind the processed meats and the cheeses so we would we would debate um when we when we shared shifts together, um, he he would bring up you know ideas that things like animals feel pain and um, that's why he chose not to uh, chose not to eat them and without any real factual backed up information peer reviewed journal information without any of that you know I would just use the you know the terms that had been given to us, you know, go and eat a steak for once. Come on, like, how could you not eat meat? How could you not eat bacon? Um, but cheese, it's it's so tasty. So those lines kind of crept into our conversations. And I, looking back, I don't think I was entering those debates or those conversations with an open mind. I wasn't listening to what he had to say. So we, we could talk for you know, maybe an hour on and off throughout the shift um, about different ideas uh, around animals and food. Um, but that wouldn't even trigger me to go home and and do any more research. Once the shift was over, um, you know, I didn't think about it. I'd go home 
um, and get back into just my regular habits, you know, ham and cheese sandwiches, bacon and eggs for breakfast, um, you know, steaks for steaks for dinner. Not every night, but you know, that that would be a typical day for me. Animal products would have been a part of every meal. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, the, the cow's milk on, on breakfast, um, if I'm having cereal, uh, if it wasn't cereal, it probably would have been like a poached eggs, um, bacon, toast, uh, avocado, lunch, usually a sandwich, and usually some sliced, you know, cold cuts, deli meats, whatever you want to call them. We now know these are class one carcinogenic foods to the human body. And they're still being fed to children um, and, you know, obviously readily available. Not a whole lot of information around that. So looking back, they were there. They were in every meal. Um, It might not have triggered anyone in my family, friends, circles that, sorry, those things are unhealthy. Um, But looking back, I can definitely see um, how everything adds up, you know, Every meal, every day, over time, having animal products is going to affect things like uh, our colon. That's that's what uh, one of the huge things that that those foods are linked to is is colon cancer. Um, our colon struggles to digest those foods. There's no fiber in in them, um, so it puts it a lot under a lot of stress, uh, and we, I suppose you know, wonder why we're, we're so unhealthy as a society, especially in Western societies that, that eat a lot of these foods. So even at this point, I'm not, it's not really clicking that the, the, the food we eat um, really di- you know, directly affects um, our, our living situation, our health situation. Uh, I'd seen two grandparents uh, pass away from cancer on my mum's side uh, one when I was I was in year seven, so I probably I was probably thirteen years old, um, twelve years old even. Uh, at that point, um, that was my that was my pa. Uh, he was he was an incredible guy. He was someone I looked up to, uh, someone I loved being around. We didn't get to see them a lot because they still lived back in Adelaide, uh, but whenever we did get to see them, um, you know, I remember this guy. Being, you know, quite thin and tall in stature, um, active, we would kick the soccer ball around. Um, but he was just a, a really, really nice person um, and someone I would love to have had around for a lot longer um, had I known these informa- this information. You know, maybe or maybe not it would have helped, but if this had been readily known... Um, you know, it's definitely something that can prolong health and life, uh, lifespan, or something that uh, another term called health span, uh, because people we're still living to a, you know, an old age, but we're we're sicker for longer now. Um, we're we're being kept alive by, um, you know, by pills and medicines, but not necessarily living uh, healthily with the freedom that we like we would like. Um, and then I was a little bit older. I was probably 19 at this stage. I think I was in university. Um, but my ma, 
passed away from cancer as well. Um, another person I think I shared some traits with, someone that I understood and, and we got along quite well. Um, yeah, so another person I would really love to have in my life, uh, at least for a longer period of time. You know, not everyone is going to be around forever, but um, they were both, I believe, in their in their early 70s when they passed away. So, um, yeah, to me... Having seen that, that's kind of the trajectory I'd given myself. So, you know, if you can get to 80, then, you know, you've you've done a, a good job. And at that point, I'd really consign myself to, to a nursing home. You know, it's a long way away, but that's where I thought I would end up. Uh, so I'm not sure if you can relate to that kind of thinking, um, but that's definitely where I, I was. Um you know, old age was directly correlated with bad health. So, um, yeah, that was just the way I I saw the whole picture. Um, so have fun while you can, and and hopefully everything pans out all right for you as you, as you age. Um, so yeah, as I said, with more freedom. Uh, my decisions probably started to to get worse. So uh, I was someone who would would definitely consume a lot of alcohol when out with friends um, to the point where, you know, feeling obviously pretty shit in the morning, but also, um, you know, bad memory from, from the night before, um, all that kind of stuff over quite a long period of time, you know, from I don't, even from the age of 16 to uh, to the age of, let's say, 20, 24. Uh, yeah, definitely consuming, you know, a lot of alcohol when the opportunity was there. So this is usually weekends. Um, and, you know, there, I, I definitely took, took drugs as well. Um, not on a you know, a, a super regular basis, but, um, yeah, experimented with them and yeah, I think bad decisions looking back, but I'm not really going to say I regret any of it. Um, it's, it's just a, a part of what, uh, what happened with me growing up. Um, but it definitely, I think looking back, those things, uh, led to a lot of, uh, anxiety issues. Um, some, you know, I, I definitely, I was open about it. I, I dealt with them, um, by seeing, you know, seeing professionals when I was younger. Uh, a lot of it had to do with, um, just my lack of time management. I wasn't very good at university or school about putting time away, uh, to get things done. And I think I still struggle with those same habits. Um, habits definitely creep through your life if they're not addressed. So um, something like this, you know, this this talk, been putting it off for a couple of weeks. Um, but it's just about putting time away. Um, and that's something I'm continually working on. But yeah, that, that used to bring up a lot of anxiety. Um, and I can, I can definitely remember with university, uh, putting 
things to the last minute. So, you know, 3,000, 2,000 word essays. I would somehow manage to pull them off. I remember starting one the morning it was due and still getting a distinction. So probably not the hardest subject because I wasn't, I'm not going to say I was super book smart, but um, yeah, that was kind of my, um, my habits around, around work um, and, and added with, I used to smoke cigarettes. So um, smoke cigarettes, drinking drugs, all those things adding up. Um, I don't think helped with the, with the pressure um, and the anxiety, didn't know how to deal with it. And yeah, that was an ongoing thing um, throughout, throughout university. So um, yeah, very interesting uh, to look back now to see where I am today um, and look back and yes, it's the same person, uh, but you know, we're, we're all able to change. Uh, and that's why I wanted to really get this podcast started because I don't think it matters where you are today. Uh, we can all start to change um, our habits. The things that I've done in the past around diet um, and, to, and to be where I am today might be shocking to some, uh, but I, I truly believe it's within everyone, given the right information, um, people will start to make better choices naturally. Um, so uh, that's really why I want to get this podcast up and running and talking to people uh, with different stories because everyone can relate to different things. Um, so at about the age of 23, I uh, went on a quite a big Europe trip with some, some friends from home. Uh, we travel around Europe. I can't remember how many countries, but it probably would have been, you know, in the vicinity of 12, 15 countries over six months. Um, and that was probably the, you know, from a, at that age going around Europe, it's obviously most, most people, I'm not going to put everyone in the same box, but most people at that age are going there to party and drink. Um, and, and that's exactly what we did. So it would have been rare to have a day without alcohol, uh, the, you know, food, fast food regularly. I wasn't cooking. I didn't have a whole lot of cooking skills. You can, you can talk to my mom. She, um, she definitely tried to get me in the kitchen. Um, but I was always reluctant. My brother was much better at that. Um, so yeah, my cooking skills were pretty poor and that did not help with the budget overseas, but, uh, yeah, basically toured Europe, had a good time, uh, drank a lot, put on a lot of weight, didn't really notice it when I was there, but, um, I do have some photos that hopefully I still have. I'd be able to share with you guys on Instagram, but, um, really, yeah, really put on some weight. You can see it in my head and my neck. Um, yeah, my body as well, my belly. Um, but that would have just been down to, you know, lifestyle choices without a without a shadow of a doubt. So um, after the Europe trip, I had a visa um, lined up for America, work travel visa. And yeah, I came here, didn't do a whole lot of travel, didn't have a lot of money left, but I came to Boston, New York, uh, decided to come back to Boston and um, yeah, kind of set up shop here and got my first job in sales. So I'd studied accounting back at home, 
didn't love it, um, but that was the trajectory I wanted to go go with back at home. So um, for me, it was a bit of a change. I got into sales. Uh, parents always said that I was good at talking, so you know I was putting that to good practice. I was actually getting paid for um, for talking, which was uh, I, I think it went well for me. I picked it up very very easily and did well at it. Um, so yeah, that was my first kind of like positive, uh, yeah, positive job experience, I'd say actually enjoyed it. Didn't pay very well, but, um, I, I did really enjoy it. And that's where I met my partner, Anna. So Anna was in New York. I was in Boston and, and she actually trained me, uh, in the sales gig that we were working. Uh, and that's where we started, we started dating and, uh, she decided to move to Boston, and we started to, you know, live, uh, live and work in Boston. So yeah, five years later, here we are, still in Boston, uh, just outside now, but um, yeah, still living and working here. And she's been a huge influence uh, on my uh, on my life as a whole. So basically, we met as pretty both pretty unhealthy people making bad decisions, still a lot of alcohol, still a lot of bad food. Um, but you know, we were having a good time and yeah, the, the path wasn't really changing for us. I was still smoking cigarettes as well. She hated it. Um, and it was basically down to her (laughs) that, that got me off those. Um, I'm very thankful that that was definitely, uh, you know, five years that I wish I could could have back and I bet my lungs wish they could have back as well. But um, she basically said to me one day, because I used to come home and complain a lot. So I'd be like, oh, I really want to stop smoking. And uh, she'd be like, well, just stop then, you know, just stop. And of course, the next morning, I'd probably wake up and have a coffee and a cigarette. Uh, but one day she had had enough and she just said to me, Matt, Either stop complaining and continue smoking or just stop because I'm sick of hearing you coming home and whinging about it, but you go out and you still do the exact same thing. And that kind of hit me. And from that day, I have not had a cigarette. So that must have been at least three years now, I'm I'm guessing. Um, And at that point, she was getting a lot healthier. So she had taken upon herself to really start exercising more. So she used Kayla Itsini's BBG guide for any people out there that don't know who Kayla Itsini's is. She's an Aussie who has a bunch of um, uh, fitness guides. Uh, she, I believe she's got a recipe book and she's got um, an app now uh, as well. So a smartphone app. And that's where she started. And she was getting really good results with, with how she looked. She was losing a lot, of, a lot of weight, getting stronger. And we were eating a little bit healthier. So to give you an idea of what we were eating when she moved into to our place in Boston, we were, our fridge was stocked with these 80 cent frozen pizzas. We didn't have a lot of money at the point. Um, so we were eating pretty poorly. There was always eggs in the fridge, processed meats. Uh, there was always beer in the fridge. 
Um, our go-to was Pabst Blue Ribbon. So they were pretty cheap. Um, yeah, so fridge was always stocked with pizza, beer. Um, I think I was still drinking cow's milk on my breakfast um, and in my coffee and whatnot. But yeah, it was it was pretty bad eating situation when we when we first started living with each other. Both pretty bad cooks as well um, at that point. Hadn't really experimented in the kitchen a whole lot. So yeah, that was an interesting time. Um, but we started to move away from that and started shopping at the farmer's market here in Boston in Haymarket. So that was a huge change for us. It got recommended to us by one of our housemates you know, hey, there's this really cheap farmer's market. I might actually go today. I haven't been in a while. We have kind of switched up to Whole Foods, but I think I'll go back. There's some some cherries that I want to get. I think they're called like Mount Rainier cherries. They're unbelievable, but and they're in season. So I, I think I will go today, but started shopping there a lot more and we were amazed at how much we could get for, for such little price. Uh, so we would get all our fruits and vegetables, um, we were still buying eggs, we were still buying meat, um, and still buying cheese, not in huge quantities, but we were still getting everything from this market, and sometimes as low as like $40, $50 a week, I think, from memory, uh, for two of us, uh, maybe some top-up foods in, in there during the week as well, but we were, between us, we were eating very cheaply, but adding a lot more fruits and vegetables to our diet, so that was kind of where it started, uh, for us, and over over a two-year period, I think, things just started to shift gradually. So Netflix, I think, is having a huge influence on people as well. And we had a Netflix account that, you know, every now and again, I, I, I like documentaries. Anna doesn't exactly love them, but um, if I'm going to sit down and watch one, she usually joins me, and we would start watching ones that were based around food. I don't know where that kind of came from, but uh, they were popular at the time. Uh, Things like Food Inc. was one that I remember really shed light on, um, from memory, it shed light on animal agriculture and um, factory farming. So that kind of opened my eyes to to that whole world and you know you I don't think you can really watch that stuff you could block it out but you're going to be pretty repulsed by the conditions of the that you know these poor animals are living in and um, you know obviously a slaughterhouse is not a place that um, many people are going to get excited about so being open to to that started kind of a chain reaction of of more documentaries and um, just educating ourselves a little bit more bit by bit on on food so it got to a point where you know we decided we we decided we were gonna all right the first thing was the chicken so I've told this story quite a few times to to people that ask, but the first thing was the chicken. So I got home one day from the farmer's market and I put the chicken on the chopping board and I remember grabbing it and lifting it up and showing it to Anna and saying, 
you know, this can't be right. Like, look at the size of this chicken breast. It is ginormous. And there's no way that a regular, you know, a regular healthy chicken is going to grow to this size. It was also discolored. It, you know, had this yellowy kind of look to it. And at that point, we were just like, no more chicken. And then the next week, we decided we might have a look at a different market. We actually bought some, it was like, you know, the the bullshit marketing that they kind of throw at us now is like free range, hormone free, um, you know, humanely killed, which is an absolute oxymoron. Um, you know, you can't humanely kill something. I think the the definition of being humane is being compassionate and benevolent towards, you know, another being. So if if you put that definition um against killing, slitting an animal's throat, I don't think it's possible. So it's definitely I think there's a t-shirt out there that you know, humane slaughter is yuppie bullshit or something like that. And it is. It's it's bullshit. So we we kind of bowed to that um that marketing and we thought we'd try it out, but we brought it home and we were used to a, a large quantity for a low price and it was changing into a very low quantity for a, for a much dearer price. And we couldn't, see, um, we couldn't see any benefit to that. So chicken went, um, I think literally the next week we went back to the market. We got out, you know, went to the butcher and we got our we got our steak and I asked him at the counter, you know, is this grass fed? That was being thrown, that term was being thrown around and it still is a lot. Um, and he said, no, the, the grass fed stuff tastes like shit. This is corn fed. And I was like, huh? All right. From what I was watching, I should have been what I was from what I was watching and listening to, I should have been eating the grass fed stuff. Um, so I think I might have put it back and just said, oh, I might give it a miss this week. And we went over to the same, the, the different market that we, we went to the week before for the chicken. And we got went and got some grass-fed steak and the exact same thing. We were used to the high quantity for a low cost and we were getting a much lower quantity for a much higher cost. And after that week, we just said, look, that's not going to be sustainable sustainable on our budget. So really by way of economics and and, and nothing else, um, did you know, we stopped the, the chicken and the beef. Uh, so at that point, it was really just eggs, fish, cheese, the animal products. I was off the cow's milk. We were on nut milks um, at that stage for breakfasts and smoothies and, uh, and coffee and whatnot. Um, and Anna started to ask questions about, oh, should we, you know, should we say we're like pescatarian or, or, or something along those lines? And I was like, no, no, I don't want to be, I don't want to put a label on ourselves for what we're eating. Just, you know, we're just doing what, what we're doing. And she was working at a gym at that point. And I think her, the owner of the gym might have been vegan or vegetarian. And he said to, she'd explain that, We'd started, you know, changing our dietary habits and he said, you watch one day, you guys will both be vegan and she came home and told me that 
And I told her that that there's no way I will ever be, um, you know, ever be vegan. And she was like, huh, all right, well, we'll see, I suppose. Um, and I think, you know, months down the line, it, it wasn't immediate after we gave up the, the chicken and the beef, but months later, we decided that, well, sorry, I, I was at home. Again, Netflix came to save the day. Anna was out at, a, at an event and I was at home flicking through the catalog on Netflix and I found a movie or a documentary called Plant Pure Nation and it's um, the, you know, the main guys that, who, were create, who created it are T. Colin Campbell and his son, Nelson Campbell. So if you don't know who T. Colin Campbell is, he's the author or the co-author of the, the China study, um, which is, I think to date, one of or the biggest um, nutrition study um, linking uh, nu- nutrition and disease. Um, highly recommend reading it. It is, I'd say like something along the lines of the plant-based Bible. It is, um, it's an amazing read with, with a lot of amazing um, scientific findings. So yeah, check it out if, if, um, if you like reading or if, I don't know if it's got an audio book, I've definitely started hitting up more audio books. Um, go and check it out on Audible. Um, but yeah, I watched it and I remember, you know, within minutes, within 10 and 15 minutes, having my, my, my mind changed on, on everything I, I believed, um, with the food system and, and my own habits. And I think it led me to, to other documentaries like, uh, forks over knives pretty quickly. So within those two documentaries, you get an insight into how the food system works with industry and government. Um, but the biggest thing for me that most people have something that clicks, um, you know, some kind of logic just clicks in their head and, and that is enough um, to make the, the decision to switch. But the thing for me was I, I discussed earlier about my grandparents and what I'd kind of, um, I suppose, given myself for what life was going to be like at older age. And I, I was, I truly believe that. Um, I, I didn't think it was really, I thought it was, you were really, really lucky if you were beyond 80 and and healthy. And I saw two guys, T. Colin Campbell was one of them. Dr. Coldwell Esselstyn was another. I saw these guys, one was riding his bike every day. One was running every day. And I was amazed. I was absolutely blown away just watching these guys doing what they're doing. Um, and things started to make sense. It, you know, what we put into our body really does affect the, you know, the health outcomes. And my, I'd say my perception of aging was just flipped, completely flipped in, in an instant. And I texted Anna saying, we're going vegan. And it was probably the last thing she was expecting that night. But 
she was on board straight away. She said, when, you know, when do you want to do it? And I said, you know, like right now, tomorrow, as soon as possible, we threw all of the animal products out of the fridge, um, cleared our fridge because we knew that if we kept them, we would eat them. So um, at that point, you know, I think I just bought like 12 fillets of salmon the day before. Um, and yeah, just couldn't face eating it. Eggs gone, cheese gone. And and from that day, we we decided to make the change. So it was probably over a two-year journey that it really happened. Um, but that was the, the kicker, uh, was those documentaries. And there's plenty now on Netflix, What the Health, Cowspiracy, Forks Over Knives, uh, Plant Pure Nation, all really good documentaries. Um, and if you're interested in any any reading, I've got a quite a few books that I've read um, in the highlights section of my Instagram page at VegTalk, um, and and check those out. Really good books ranging from you know environment, health, um, and also I suppose the ethics behind it um, with the animals. So yeah. Um, started to change and and I really do believe that you know regardless of where you are now anyone can anyone can make that change um it's it doesn't matter how it happens if you know if you're an animal lover you can ask yourself why you're eating animals if you're an environmentalist we can now see that animal agriculture is destructive to the environment why am I paying for animal products because it's contributing to the destruction of our habitat, where we live, the waterways, um, you know, the earth, the rainforest. And then, if you if you're a, if you consider yourself to be a healthy person, and 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 we're still eating animal products, then why are we still eating animal products if we're if we consider ourselves to be a healthy a healthy person? Um, Cholesterol can only be found in animal products. It is not in plant um, in plant foods. You will not find cholesterol in plant foods. The number one killer in the U.S. is heart disease today, and heart disease is directly caused by cholesterol in the arteries. So, some questions we can ask and start the journey. It's not about. For some people, it might be you know, like myself, diving straight in. For other people, it's a longer drawn out process and it doesn't matter. There's no right or wrong. Uh, there's no right or wrong in, in how you get there or, or how you do it. Um, but if you're interested, feel free to hit me up on Instagram with any questions. I'm always more than happy to help. This is something that I've found that I can talk about with anyone um, and you know, conversations can go on and on. Um, I'm, I'm happy to happy to help out. So please hit me up, um, you know, either email or, or Instagram and I'd, I'd be happy to help. Uh, so that's led me to, to this podcast. I, I really want to be able to, you know, use my time and, and, and live my life in a way that is, is much more aligned with my values. And uh, I think this is a good way to get into it. You know, I still have a full-time job and um and that's okay. This is is something I'm able to do on the side with my time, and hopefully I, I can bring you some amazing guests uh, that 
you know, that are in this plant-based world, whether it be, you know, whether it be something like politics or, or activism or whether they're an author or a filmmaker and, and everything in between. Um, so yeah, really look forward to it. A couple of guys I've, I've lined up for you that are, um, that I, I will bring to you in the, in the next few weeks. Um, we have Pat McCauley. Uh, he is opening the first plant-based beer hall in America, uh, just outside of Boston. Had a really good chat with him. And then I met a young guy by the name of Carlos Bobadilla. He is uh, in New York and we had a chat one early morning in New York. And yeah, he he's really helping out his local community. Um, and it's going to go further than that without a doubt. Um, but he's a chef. He's got a cookbook uh, launching and yeah, had a great chat with him as well. So, you know, hope you guys can take something from those conversations. Um, but for now, I, I think I'll wrap it up. That is, yeah, just a little intro of, of where I've come from and where I'm at now. You know, no one's perfect. Um, still, I still hit up the vegan junk every now and again. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't see that being a huge problem. Um, if you, if you can eat without causing any harm to, to any other beings, I think that's a great way to live, um, with, with more compassion, more love, uh, the world needs more positivity. So don't shy away from it. Um, regardless of what you, th- you know, you think people might think about you. It, it's, it's, it's irrelevant. Um, live the way you want to live, align your values with your daily habits. And I think we're going to, we're going to take this a long, long way. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed it, everyone. Uh, again, please feel free to hit me up on Instagram. And uh, if you can leave a, you know, leave a review, let me know what you thought. And yeah, any feedback would be, would be greatly appreciated. Uh, but thank you for joining me. I do, uh, yeah, appreciate your time and look forward uh, to hanging with you guys soon on the next episode. Thanks very much, guys.